Yo, this is the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast, and let me tell you what our amazing sponsor, Nacho Mama's Food Truck, is doing this week. The locations, Thursday, September 3rd, Optimism Brewing, Capitol Hill, 5 to 8 p.m. Friday, September 4th, Volishun Brewing and North Bend, 3 to 8 p.m. Sunday, September 6th, Ridcrest Public House in Shoreline, 5 to 8 p.m. Specials, barbecue chicken nachos, cheddar cheese sauce, pickled red onions, roasted corn, pickled jalapenos, and cilantro. And then a campfire s'more brownie made with smoked dark chocolate, graham cracker crust, and a toasted marshmallow. Dude, check out Nacho Mama's, nachomamasseattle.com. Check out their entire menu, where they're going to be at, other than the places I just told you. And also, uh, all the goodness that is Nacho Mama's Seattle. Check them out over on Twitter. At Nacho Mama's SCA, Facebook and Instagram, at Nacho Mama Seattle, hashtag Nachos and Beer, hashtag Nacho Mama Seattle. And we're back on the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast with Podcast Guy. Wow, thanks for having me, man. Be talking to some of the fans up in the, the Pacific Northwest. Your Demi got him death. Pretty good, darling. Pretty good. Yo! We're the Boros twins. They know we like PCO to the horror show. Freaking me out, man. <laughs> Freaking me out, yo. We are leaving the station. Hell train, take us out. Hey, yo, this is the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast, episode 168. Dude, a great conversation this week with the one and only at Stiff Robo Ginger on Twitter. Hashtag Vet Violence. Hashtag Gritty Ginger. Hashtag Gary J Movement. It is the one, the only Gary J. I'm not going to open uh, or I'm not going to talk much in this opening. Uh, we have a great conversation. Uh, we kind of introduce ourselves, we get into pandemic life, uh, we get into uh, outdoor wrestling shows and our thoughts on those and the thoughts on the shows that he's been on, you know, if they're doing a good enough job on this uh, pandemic, this social distancing, these masks. Um, <clears throat> talk about some of his matches over at uh, Cage Match. And then uh, also we get into uh, the wrestling WWE, AEW, Impact, his thoughts on that, if he's been watching it, um, St. Louis Anarchy, uh, Daniel Maccabe. We talk about a ton of professional wrestling. And, baby, you got to check it out right now. The Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast. We're up on iTunes, which is at Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. I'm the L Train at BFPW Podcast on Twitter. Check out our website, uh, you know, BigfootProWrestling.com and uh, follow us. Check out these podcasts each and every week. And uh, I hope you enjoy this week. We're going to get right to it. And uh, thank you for tuning in. This is the L Train, and I am leaving the station. Hey, this is the L Train. We're back for another great show this week. Uh, I got someone that maybe not 
you might not know in the Northwest, but if you've been watching some wrestling lately on the TV, you know, uh, Fight TV, IWTV, he's been in some matches lately. Uh, dude, hashtag vet violence, hashtag greedy ginger, man, uh, at stiff robo ginger on uh, Twitter. Dude, Gary J, man, how you doing? Did I get that all right? Uh, dude, you did phenomenal. I couldn't even say it better myself. I'm doing pretty damn good, man. I'm just watching the news. got to find out what all the shitty stuff going on in the world, you know? Well, that's what you're saying before you start. First, you watched uh, so, some NXT, not to give away spoilers or anything. had a good time in that. And uh, now, you know, you're putting on some uh, news maybe to help you get to sleep after this. Uh, you're done with the, the hype of doing this podcast, right? Uh, absolutely, man. I love doing a podcast and going to bed. <laughs> it sounds good to me. I've been loving going to bed lately myself. But anyway, man, thanks so much for coming on. It's uh, really an honor to have a guy like you coming on here that's uh, done so much here in independent wrestling. And, uh, dude, uh, you know, how's it going where you are? You're down in, uh, down over, whichever you want to call it, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And, uh, dude, how are things there? How's uh, How's the weather going on there right now? Uh, right now the weather is rainy and hum- humid, but, uh, like, <laughs> covid wise like it's very daily man like probably almost the same stuff you guys are uh dealing with but i think it's worse on your end like man these numbers just keep going up and like it's one of those things where i really don't think we're going to be out of the out of the woods until probably early next year well yeah like you're saying it it was pretty bad here we were big uh right off the start because of a nursing home up north you know and uh you know we've here in washington we've done a decent job to kind of um curb it we haven't done the best you know everyone's got their opinion on mask and i'm not here to talk about that kind of stuff and you know but it has shut down our the mostly important the wrestling events no it's not the most important thing right but you know it's turned down or uh, shut down our entertainment our wrestling events uh, defy without a cause prestige a, a bunch of them man for at least until the end of the year right here and so it's a uh, it's really been tough up here, uh, that and a whole lot of other stuff. You know, everyone at the beginning was buying up all the toilet paper and all that stuff. But uh, how did yeah. it kind of – was it the same kind of thing down there in uh, St. Louis? No, oh, yeah, it was, it was It was. almost like, in a way, it was like control of chaos. Like, people were just going out and buying a whole abundance of things like they're never going to see it again. It was kind of – like, that part of it to me was silly. It's like you just bought, like, four to ten gallons of milk. It's like that's going to go – bad whatever (laughs) (laughs) like come on now like use your common sense but yeah it's uh interesting times like the easiest way to sum it up is like we're all on the oregon trail and we're all about to get dysentery like this is how i feel about life right now yeah it's been tough you know um you know i can't say it was that tough for me other than just having to stay home not being able to do stuff when it first happened you know i work in a medical care facility doing insurance and registration and things like that but uh, we had to kind of not exactly shut down. We had to cut back. So I went home for six weeks. I got unemployment. And then they did pass that thing where you got the extra money. So it, it worked out for me. Other people, you know, not so lucky with the uh, the extra help. So it was uh, it was tough on a lot of people. And, uh, you know, like I said, it just kind of shut everything down. Uh, did it affect, uh, I don't know, if you have a, a shoot job other than in wrestling, but uh, how did everything go for you personally? Uh, at the time, like right before wrestling was shut down, let's say, you know, like January in like December, like I was doing really good. Like, uh, wrestling was pretty much my full-time thing. And I, I worked, you know, unloading trucks a couple days a week if I was home and like, I was happy. I was finally getting to the point where like 
I was getting flown different states and, you know, getting paid to do what I love. And, you know, that's the goal. And uh, so then the, the uh, COVID-19 happened and like basically I was like, well, I can't just sit around unemployed and not make money at all. So I didn't even uh, register or apply for unemployment and all the benefits. I just got another job. So the, I got uh, I got furloughed from the uh, the stock in the store and the loading trucks that I was doing during wrestling. And then I got a job at the uh, grocery store like right down the block from my house. Oh, that worked out damn good. You just go to, to work uh, from your block or down from your block, down the street, down the block. Uh, so that was really nice for you. You didn't really have to travel too far. Did you just kind of like, you know, jog down there every day? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I was actually there earlier today. Uh, and I, you know, I, I'm not furloughed from the other job anymore. So I work those two jobs and wrestling slowly starting to come back. So technically the way I look at it is I'm working three jobs right now. But like you got to do what you got to do, man. I got to put food on my plate and, you know, keep my lights on and a roof over my head. So like I can't depend on anybody else but myself. Right, right, right. So, um, and I think you kind of already mentioned what I'm going to ask here, but uh, it, how is it looking right now? Like, you, is it just kind of like same here? Everything's kind of basically shut down until uh, towards the end of the year. I know that there's been um, a couple wrestling shows, right? I, I think I got on my yeah, paper here uh, a little Saint bit. Yeah, St. Louis Anarchy was actually just about to embark on their uh, Spirit of Spalding block tournament. And if you don't know what St. Louis Anarchy is, you can check it out on IW.TV. Uh, it's a promotion that I have a very big hand in, and I consider it my home. And uh, we were right about to embark on uh, two shows a month in Alton, Illinois, at the Spalding Hall. And uh, we got block. We got the first show out. We got Block A out, which was like limited capacity, social distancing. You know, we did the whole nine yards to keep us and the fans safe because that's the most important thing. And uh, we got one show under our belt, and then they kind of started rolling back the uh, the rules and regulations. So then they got tighter with it. So then the, the right now we don't have anything planned we have dates planned and like we want to do the shows but we just can't because the numbers keep going up or staying high and like unfortunately i'd rather be safe and not sorry you know what i mean exactly exactly and yet i think in the same way myself you know i'm a i'm a huge fan but i'd love to see some wrestling but i don't really want to see you know fans putting health on the line by going into the shows and then you know guys like yourselves females you know you know out there putting their health on the line too if it's not safe and you know it's not a good you know we got social distancing and all the stuff you were just talking about too no absolutely and ironically like it was probably two two or three weeks ago out of curiosity i went and got tested just because i kind of felt like it and i'd done some traveling i was just in jersey like not too terribly long ago for wrestling so like i said like, you know what i'm just gonna get tested you know i got tested got my results back and i came up negative so like and i plan on getting tested again in probably like a couple of weeks if not the end of the month just for my own good because i know i'm around a lot of people and i fear it's only right and fair and do you think you know and i was going to ask you a little bit about some of the outdoor shows they've been doing and uh, you know the the black label show that you were on you know a week or two ago whatever it might have been last week um do most of the wrestlers that are on these shows get tested at their own will? Does the, you know, the promotion probably can't, you know, afford to test everyone on the card. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's the cool thing. There's actually a CVS website, uh, which is like a convenience store pharmacy around me. I don't know if it's out your way. I've never been out that way. So, uh, you can basically just go to the CVS website and say, free COVID testing and then you just got to fill a little app thing and then like schedule it. Like, so mine was free. 
So, like, I'm not going to argue with that. It was something that someone sent me an email saying, hey, if you ever want to get tested, check this out. And I'm like, oh, cool. Actually, I was thinking about it. And obviously, we don't all have money to be throwing around right now for, you know, a COVID test every month. So, it came in really handy. And, like, obviously, you can't force someone to get tested. But I know a lot of guys have told me, and I know of other people talking, like, a lot of guys in the shows I've on lately have all been tested just because they want to know because they're around people. Exactly, man. And that's, and that's great information that you just gave out that CVS website for uh, free COVID testing, man. So, uh, I'll, uh, you know, when I drop this podcast, I'll put that in the little write up too. So it kind of shows people, you know, and that's damn cool, man. Free. Cause I always wondered that me and my wife were watching some of these shows recently for uh, GCW and beyond and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and black label pro, you know, we're like, do these guys get tested? Do they pay for it? Is it, do they get help? Is there people at the doors testing before they go in? But, you know, thanks for that little bit of uh, insight that you could give. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Oh, not a problem at all, man. I mean, like I said, if I could help someone, you know, get tested and, you know, find out if they have it or not have it, like, it keeps us all safe. Like, that's the biggest concern right now. Like, obviously, we both love wrestling. I love wrestling. I like to, you know, make money wrestling. But if the world shut down, none of this is ever going to happen again. So, like, we need to make sure we're taking the precautions and being safe so things can go back to normal at some point exactly chill a little bit now do the right things and then you know hopefully at some point next year we'll uh we'll be there again hopefully right absolutely man hopefully sooner than later man i'm getting cabin fever (laughs) (laughs) i hear you i hear you but uh not as much as you that guys that kind of jump around and go around the country and hit these different places or you know traveling your cars planes whatever i'm just kind of cabin fever because you can't always go around to the the restaurants you want or you, you know not can't go to the gyms right now basically around here and so like cabin fever yeah. is a uh, very realistic thing my son oh, yeah. just got out of high school he was going to start doing a bunch of things can't do that stuff right now you know he's 20 yeah. years old and he's basically just hanging out here every day because there's really nothing for him to go do and we don't have anything for him to do yet so you know that's tough on yep. him so yeah but man uh yeah tough times there but uh Let's see, you know, speaking of those outdoor shows, man, what did you think of those? I thought they were really great uh, shows putting on by GCW Beyond, those ones that were on uh, Fight TV and uh, IWTV. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching those on TV, especially not being able to go out, you know, hit the shows, you know, right now. Uh, your thoughts on those shows? And, uh, you know, I saw you recently on the uh, Black Label Pro, that uh, second show they put on that day. You were taking on Joshua Bishop. Yep. Uh like I said, uh, all three promotions did a fantastic job. Uh, Mikey from Black Label, Drew from uh, Beyond, and then uh, Brett Lauderdale from GCW. Like they all obviously have the fans and the wrestlers and staffs' health on their minds. Like they did a tremendous job about making sure making sure things were 100 percent as good as they could be during the situation. So, like, like you said, like kudos to them. They made sure people had their masks on. They had hand sanitizer. And obviously, the same thing when uh, St. Louis Anarchy run. I think they ran on August 7th, which was a Friday night. That show is actually on IWTV right now. Like, Matt Jackson, who runs that promotion, like, the, pretty much my home, uh, same thing. Like, there was hand sanitizer everywhere. Uh, guys had to wear masks the whole day unless they were wrestling. Uh, like, there was social distancing in the crowd. Uh, the Anarchy show was only about two hours long. So the fans and the wrestlers weren't in the building forever because sometimes, you know, shows can go very long. So, like, all four of those promotions, Black Label, GCW, St. Louis Anarchy, and beyond, like, all four of those, to me, are, like, the top trendsetters when it comes to, like, okay, we want to put on a show. How do we do it? 
and the, the all all four of those places class act and they showed how you can do it safely well i gotta say the stuff that i've been watching on fight and iwtv and wherever else have you know i'm kind of watching out you know just to see what people are doing and it looks like everyone's kind of keeping their distance with their little groups you know people that are in little groups families you know and uh Everyone's wearing their masks, except for maybe when they're taking a sip or whatever beverage they got, but they're, like, away from each other. Well, then I was talking to someone else. The only thing I saw was one uh, one of the shows, two of the wrestlers kind of went over away from the ring, and everyone kind of followed them and kind of grouped up, and that was the only kind of, like, bad spot I, I thought. But, and I'm sure other places saw that and said, okay, we can't be going running, like, 20 feet away from the ring because people will get up and kind of follow us. But uh, Yep, I mean... You, you, you kind of got to learn, like, it's a big learning curve right now because, like, something like this has never happened before. So, like, we're used to, you know, fighting out in the crowd and doing your thing, but you got to realize, anyway, probably shouldn't do that right now. <laughs> like, you got to stop and think. I mean, it happens, you know. Right, right. But, like right. I said, I think everybody, like I said, we've just named has done a really good job and they're doing their best and they keep learning and they keep, you know, upgrading their safety precautions and then what they're doing. So, like, kudos to all four promotions. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, just looking up uh, here, man, you've you've had some uh, matches here in the, the month of August. You've had three, you know, uh, IWA uh, Mid-South and, uh, the, like I said, the Spalding and uh, and then the B, uh, the Black Label Pro, man. What was that Spalding? Was that like a tournament kind of thing? It said Block A. What does that mean? Um, basically, like, we had planned on running 11 shows, two shows a month. We had Block A and Block B. I'm in Block A. And the whole point was because we can't do mass, maximum capacity because of the whole virus. So, like, we were going to let 50 fans in each block and then have, like, a G1 kind of thing going on with both shows. And then, like, that was our long-term plan, and like which was cool because a lot of people were like, oh, this is awesome. So that means everybody in Block A would wrestle everybody in Block A. Everybody in Block B would wrestle everybody in Block B. <laughs> and then as of right now, we're kind of screwed because, you know, the numbers have went up and we pretty much can't do anything right now because it's a day-by-day basis with, you know, the viruses and tests and everything else. So that was the original plan. So right now we're just kind of at a standstill. Gotcha, gotcha. But uh, do you watch a lot of uh, other wrestling that's on TV, not only on IWTV and Fight and stuff, because, you know, you're at some of those shows, you can't be watching them anyway, you're there. But, uh, you know, as far as like WWE and uh, AEW, Impact and those type of things, do you have you been watching those things recently? And if so, your thoughts on the uh, empty arena and how they've been doing? Um, like, originally, like, when NXT and, and WWE went to the PC for, like, WrestleMania, I was bummed out. Like, super bummed out, like, because I was supposed to be in Florida for WrestleMania week and, like, had some stuff going on. And then I was just excited because it was WrestleMania week. Like, that's a holiday for all of us. Like, I don't care if you watch the product or not. You're like, well, it's WrestleMania week. Like, I got to go check this out or I I have to watch the pay-per-view because it's fucking WrestleMania. It doesn't matter what you think of the product now. You're probably watching it. (laughs) So, like, I'm always jazzed. Like, it's the biggest holiday of my year, like. That's the one day a year, like, I, I, I don't drink soda, so, like, the one day a year I drink soda, I'll have one soda when I'm watching <laughs> WrestleMania. Like, that's just the way I am. So, so I celebrate it. It's, like, what I do. So I was really bummed out, but I think WWE did the best they could for their two nights, and, like, they, they made things different and unique. And, yeah, I'm sure it was incredible. No fans and go out there and kill it, and everybody on, on both shows did. So, like, me being a performer, the adrenaline you can get from the crowd and, like, get that high, that's not there. That That's that's interesting. And those guys and girls all went out there and killed it. 
So like at first I loved the PC stuff, but then it did get, it did get a little old in my opinion. But then they just started this Thunderdome thing, and I'm a huge fan of it because it's like, okay, we have the LEDs up. We have something different. Of course, you have your stupid fans trying to pretty much already get it kicked yeah. off because they're doing dumb things on the screen. But you can't control everybody. You just, you know, <laughs> delete them. Uh, I don't watch and I don't watch uh, Impact, really, even though I have some friends there. Like, I, I read about Impact a lot, and it sounds like they're doing the best they can, too. And uh, I watch AEW, like, pretty much every week, or I try to. Uh, I've liked what they've done there, and I think last week was the first time they had like 500 fans there mm-hmm. you know, spread through the building because they're all at the uh, with the Jaguar Stadium. Yeah, I thought that was. I thought AEW is the best, and I'm not putting down anybody else. Uh, I watched WrestleMania. Um, I thought it was fun. The wrestlers were just, you know, they're wrestling their hearts out on there. It's hard to. I mean, I don't know, but you do. It's got to be hard to just get up for that when there's no one there to really, you know. Throw yeah. that adrenaline at you. Help with the adrenaline, I guess, right? But uh, oh, absolutely. But they did a good job, you know. Obviously, with the ones they did with the the video, the the, the Undertaker deal, I loved it. You know, being a Undertaker fan, I thought it was oh, fantastic. I, well, we we just we just got to do another podcast now because I am a humongous <laughs> Undertaker fan. He's like one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> let, let me write that down, Undertaker, just in case I go. Oh, what do we should talk about? Oh, wait, Undertaker. But uh, oh, I can talk about him for days. Oh, there we go. Yeah, exactly. We'll have to talk a little more about that. But uh, man, <laughs> I thought that was fantastic riding the motorcycle. He was, he was, you know. Man, it was kind of a mold of the two, right? The the motorcycle, the what do you call it? The the American badass Undertaker with a yep, bit the, of the, the other Undertaker, the dead man, right? You know, yep. When he was in the grave, he came up behind AJ when the light came on when AJ was on that little oh, that, that freaking awesome. tractor like, or whatever. To me, it was almost like the perfect ending to his career finally. And then they did that whole uh, last ride documentary, which I've watched these episodes oh. like three or four times because like I'm that kid, like. Man, it's just so well done. It's just I do I do honestly hope when things are said and done and like you can wrestle in front of people again on TV like in a large capacity. I hope they give them one more something. I'd love to just, see that too. Just a goodbye. But if you don't, you don't. You know. No, you're you're correct. Whatever happens, happens. But uh, that one more last thing, as long as it's cool, done right, and it's just fun. You know, even with that, you know, when he squashed John Cena, I thought that was freaking cool. On that oh, I loved it. I like. Out. I loved everything about that, and like the <laughs> fact that it was a eight minute match and seeing oh, him, you know, just lost. I was like, well, duh. Zena was talking shit on his family. Yeah, like of course he's gonna go out there and murder this guy. Like it, it made sense. And the whole build, Cena was sitting in the, you know, the with the crowd having a beer, you know, and then all of a sudden he got the word and he looked startled and then he ran to the back and you know, and first he whipped what's his name's ass uh, the. Uh, what Elias. Is his name? Oh yeah, he hasn't been on TV in forever. Yeah, uh, I, I liked him a lot too. By the way, I liked his character. I thought he was going somewhere, and then just kind of dumped him. But that's again, we're we're diversing here. It's like a whole other show. All of a sudden, this is what happens on these podcasts. We find little things, and we just uh, keep going on, man. But yeah, that that WrestleMania, I didn't think as much about the um, the one with Bray Wyatt and John Cena. I don't know. It just seemed too way far out for me. But what were your, were your thoughts on that? The fun house. Uh, oh, uh, the uh, the fun house match. Yeah, uh, it was really out there, but I enjoyed it. Like <laughs> I was just watching, having a good time, and like I like how they pretty much acknowledged like Cena was like gonna be the guys from get go, and how he was pretty much like the new Hogan. 
but completely not. You know, they, they really opened up a lot of like the behind the stage scene stuff that you always read about back in the day. And now you're like, oh, they're they're blatantly talking about it now with this whole like, what was it? Probably like a 25 minute like sequence and match. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if so I enjoyed it. I had a good time watching it. Yeah, I don't know if I'm too old anymore, but I was just like, I don't really get it. But you know, that was just me. It a was lot definitely of- a lot. I'll- a lot of more cinematography stuff than the uh, the Boneyard match. There was a lot of that in there, but the Boneyard match still had the structure of this is a fight. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, uh, man, that was really great. And like you were talking about the AEW, you know, the crowd. The, the first, they had a lot of the wrestlers outside of the ring. I really thought that was, like, genius by those guys to have something there at ringside. You know, they must have been paying for those guys get to test it the whole time or however it works. I don't know. But uh, if I believe correctly, every time you showed up to the building, you'd get tested. So, yeah. And that's a whole nother thing. And you said you've been tested. Uh, just a little quick side note again. Dude, I had to get the test. Like I said, I work in the healthcare. So a few weeks ago, I was feeling just a little weird. So I got sent. Oh, man. one of the, I won't say it's the worst experience of your life, right? You know. But it definitely like sucks. It'll make your eyes water. I don't know how it was for you, but I did it. Yeah, it I was, drove it was up just in a car. weird. It's like, oh, you stick this in your nose and just leave it there for like you know fifty seconds. I'm like, all right, it's a weird feeling, and you're like, oh, yeah. what am I doing here? This is this is my life right now. <laughs> and then at the end, they gave it this like little swirl that was like ten, fifteen seconds, and then a, like a twisty swirl, and then they pull it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I had drove up in a car. They stuck yeah. it in my nose through the car. I yep, don't know. same thing with same me. thing with you gosh man and then yeah. i had to like drive and i wear glasses too and my eyes were just like watering the whole time yeah it's like i'm a grown man crying it's happening yeah <laughs> it's definitely a weird feeling it's not like the worst feeling ever but yeah it's just like you're like oh i didn't expect this it was just once again 2020 thanks for that <laughs> oh man dude i was gonna ask you about you know i was looking through your matches on uh on a cage match here i watched a couple last night like the the black label pro again but uh you know it looks like back in february february 21st at a st louis anarchy in your house strong style i wrote that down so i didn't f that up uh <laughs> you wrestled a guy named daniel Macabe. i don't know your memories on this but daniel Macabe is pretty big out here in the northwest he's he's one of my favorites he's been on the podcast a couple times um i don't know your memories on that guy it looks like you beat him with a referee's decision but uh, any thoughts or memories on that match? I, I should have told you this before. I kind of put you on the spot here. I'm sorry. But any- oh, not at all. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of Daniel. Uh, I've known about him for a while. He's actually been friends with Davey Vega, one of my guys from the area, like forever. So, like, I through, knew him through uh, Vega, and then he started being on some shows in, like, the South area. And I was like, oh, man, what's up, blah, blah, blah. And, like, yeah, uh, I'm very fond of that match, actually. Uh if I remember correctly, I was uh, really tired and beat up because it was the tournament final, and so was he. But uh, I really would love a rematch with him. Hint, hint to anybody in that area when things open up or anybody that listens that wants to book it. I think there's some money in that match, and uh, I would definitely like a rematch. And I think he would say the same thing. I think Maccabi is awesome. He's, like, one of my favorites to watch because he's very unique to what he does, and I feel I'm very unique for what I do. So uh, it's kind of like a match made in heaven or hell. No matter how you look at it. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, based on what I've seen you do now and, uh, you know, what I know about Daniel, it would be a, a great man. Uh, Daniel likes to get down, just kind of work, put you in a little pretzel. He's got, like, a couple different, you know, things he does, man. I, I love watching him work. He just kind of, I don't know. 
There's something about him, man. He's got something, and I love to watch it, man. So I would love to see you guys go at it up here uh, in the Northwest somewhere. Uh, hint, hint to, uh, you know, the promoters that uh, I align myself with up here and who listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. As, as soon as stuff opens up, just uh, give me a ring-a-ding-ding or just hit me up. Oh, people man. Don't have my phone number. <laughs> All right, 2021, man. We got to see it. We got to see it, man. Uh, I, I would love for that. That would be awesome. All right, don't 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 forget to retweet this now when we put it out. Yeah, right? <laughs> anyway, man, but, uh, dude, I want to jump back a little bit, man. Uh, I kind of like to sometimes talk to you guys about where you came from, you know, what you did when you were just young, where you grew up. Were you born and raised uh, out there in uh, St. Louis? Is that where you're from originally? Nope. Uh, I was actually born in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh Probably about not very far from Stanford, Connecticut. I probably should have stayed there. My good pal Vince is around there. But, uh, no, I was born in Connecticut, and then I moved to Massachusetts, and then I moved to Missouri. So, So like, yeah, I've kind of been all over the states a little bit, like, without wrestling. And then with wrestling, I've been all over the country. So, Oh, I bet. But, uh, yeah, my roots since probably sixth grade have been in Missouri. All right, so you got to Missouri about sixth grade. Um, Yep. You know, what kind of a – what kind of kid were you in school? Were you, you know, from elementary to junior to, to high school? Were you into sports? Were you watching a lot? You know, were you more into, you know, whatever else, singing, choir, any of that kind of stuff? What kind of oh, uh, child uh, were you? I was just like an average kid. Video games, uh, right? Uh, <laughs> the only games I really got into was like Batman, Ninja Turtles, and like wrestling video games. Uh, I was never like this really big nerd. Like, I liked cartoons. And, like, uh, I'd watch a lot of Batman, the animated series, like, which is, to me, the best animated series ever. <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, sixth grade on, like, wrestling was my thing. I was really into, like, you know, like, what do you, like, industrial music. Like, Marilyn Manson still is one of my wow. favorite. Like, back then, I was, like, the goth kid kind of in a way. Like, so weird to see me then and now. But, like... <laughs> Like, I had music and I had wrestling back then, and, like, I've always still held on to those. I've just gotten a little older with my look, and, like, wrestling's still, like, 100% a part of my life. Well, hold on one second, then. I got I got to ask about this Marilyn Manson uh, music, man. What, you know, when I was younger, you know, even in my early days, before teens, I was always into music because it was always around me. There was records. Listened to tons yeah. of bands, you know. Like I said, I'm older than you, but... Uh, Dude, uh, you know, music could take you another place. I thought you could just put your headphones on, be gone to another place. Uh, so you said Marilyn Manson. Uh, did you did you do the whole look? Did you you know dye your hair, and oh. all that kind oh, of stuff? Oh yeah, I, I had like black hair. I wore like a dial collar. Like I had black or red <laughs> or orange fingernails. Like I was huge into Manson when I was probably like in sixth or seventh or eighth grade. Like wow. even starting high school, maybe mid. To 11th grade, I would say, like, I was into, like, Manson, Nine Inch Nails, like, uh, I'm really into some punk music now, like, during those times, and still now, I'm into stuff like that, I just, I guess, you wouldn't know if, because I don't dress like that anymore, like, I still wear, like, very comfortable clothes, but nowadays, it's probably going to be some kind of Converse shoes, wrestling hat, shorts, wrestling shirt, like, because that's pretty much my wardrobe right now, but I'll still throw out, like, a, a Manson shirt, here and there and i still have some nine inch nail shirts i wear occasionally <laughs> so um as you've gotten more mature you know over the years sure well say i look the... more mature don't act more mature <laughs> exactly i hear i'm the same way man and i'm 48 right yeah. um what other kind of music uh music excuse me 
have you added to your uh repertoire you know what i'm saying like you know you like that hard stuff but what would what what music would people be surprised that you listen to now oh i'm a huge katie perry fan <laughs> <laughs> like she was in concert a couple of years ago and i was out of town and i was like man i could have spent tonight you know at her concert but here i am in the middle of nowhere wrestling yay but whatever <laughs> uh i love katie perry i like pop music like it's not my best favorite thing in the world but like if it's on, I just like the upbeat stuff. That's kind of what I like about Katy Perry. Some of her beats are really goofy, but like for the most part, it's uplifting. And you're like, okay, like I'm happy listening to this because it's not like all sad bullshit. There's enough sad stuff in the real world. Like just let me have this, you know? Right. Well, um, I'm a really big fan of Katy Perry. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the used as well. I didn't mention them earlier, but like a big fan of the used and uh, AFI are two of my favorite bands as well. <laughs> dude i i love music it, it's insane but uh um when you were younger did you ever get to see any uh live concerts of your favorite bands no not really uh the first time i saw manson in concert was probably i was in my it was a couple years ago so yeah yeah like and like it blew me away i was like this is amazing and then <laughs> i uh that following summer he was on tour with slipknot so i went and saw that and like slipknot might be the best live performance i've ever seen <laughs> oh man so anyway let's cruise back around here so you know you loved uh wrestling and you loved music man and uh thanks for sharing some of those music thoughts who knows i might bring it up again i don't know i just kind of winging it here with some notes oh, go i got it. here my man but uh wrestling first memories of it was before sixth grade after that what's up um a little before sixth grade, uh, I would say the first thing I remember would be like turning on like a Saturday morning, and I think, I think I've said this before on a podcast or told somebody like, I remember seeing Macho Man and just his colorful character and just his voice, and I'm like, huh, and then I just started watching it. Like I don't know the rest there because like my memory might be jarred, but like I just remember going, oh, this is kind of cool, and I just started watching it, and then before you knew it, I'm obsessed with it, you know. <laughs> well how'd that kind of like what am i trying to say evolve man like you started watching it you were loving it you see the macho man oh yeah you know and um that's the best i got but uh, uh dude uh you know where'd it go from there was your, your kind of family watching it friends you just kind of discovered this on tv uh i kind of discovered it on tv and then like my older brother would kind of watch it but then at the same time make fun of me for watching it and my mom would watch it when she was around with me <laughs> but like a lot of it was just me by myself because like i went through a lot of stuff you know between sixth grade and like by the time i graduated high school like personally with my family and everything going on so like a lot of times i would just go into wrestling to escape like the bullshit of reality because i was a kid and dealing with some stuff that you know obviously i didn't want to deal with it so i would just like you know what I want to watch Shawn Michaels. There we go. And I'll say this for the first time in this podcast, Shawn Michaels to me is the best of all time. There's no better than Shawn Michaels. Like he is the dude in my mind. He is my all time favorite. And you can't argue with me. Like he's the best of all time. I want to argue with you because my favorite of all time, because I'm a little older than you is Ric Flair. And you know who Ric Flair says the greatest of all time is? Sean Michaels. Sean Michaels. So how can I exactly. argue with that when my fave says your fave's the best? 
exactly. <laughs> and I mean, so like, but I didn't realize I wanted to start wrestling or like it could be a thing in my life until I started watching like Mankind and I like I got his VHS tape and they're like, oh, he did stuff at his house on mattresses and I'm like, what? Oh yeah. And then I realized like, wait, this could be a thing. <laughs> and then ever since then, like I wanted to be a wrestler. Like I just figured out how to do it and just like anything else you do your research for the best of your ability because back then the internet really wasn't that popular and then you just go okay i'm gonna go to school to do this and you go from there like even if your school wasn't reputable or like mm. an actual school you're like well hey there's a ring on the side of a trailer hint hint how i was trained <laughs> go to a trailer park set a ring up and learn how to wrestle obviously there's a lot in between that but like that my first memory of in a professional wrestling ring was outside in a trailer park oh my gosh so you know, you said you researched it. I don't know how much you want to share of that or you want to move to the next level. But, um, you know, how did that happen? Did it cost you a bunch of bucks? Was it worth your while? Was it just, you know, if you want to explain a little more on that. Um, I met my buddy Matt, who actually, Matt Jackson or Pierre Abernathy, who he's now retired. He runs St. Louis Anarchy. He's, uh, he's my best friend. He's my roommate. Uh, He's been in the business as long as me. He's got such a good eye for talent and, you know, structure. And I go on a whole other podcast about how great he is, not only because he's my best friend, but, like, he's legit a guy that, like, gets the business through and through and has helped a lot of, you know, talent out completely to get bigger and better things. But uh, we went to high school together, and his buddy Pete worked at a bar, and then we went to this bar one night. Not to drink, just to hang out, because we weren't old enough, technically. So we just went to hang out and hang out with Pete. And then Pete was like, oh, these guys just came in, and they're going to start their own promotion. And we're like, oh, well, we want to wrestle. <laughs> we met up with some people. They were not good trainers. They weren't, weren't equipped at all, but we didn't care. We didn't know what we were getting into. We just wanted to get into a ring. Started training in 2000 in like two or three, like around that time. And then, like, from there, we met some other people that knew what they were doing. So we moved the ring from the trailer park into a garage. And it kind of just snowballed into, like, okay, this is how we're doing it now. A lot of trial and error before we really realized, like, oh, okay, this is actual proper training. (laughs) And was there some people that finally came in there that you want to name that Uh, really kind of helped you guys out? Uh, Adam Raw, Sam Richardson, he used to wrestle uh, as Adam Raw in the area. He, uh, he runs his own personal training gym now. He's a, a great artist. He has his own comic book. So he's, like, super uh, talented with, like, a lot of aspects of things. Him and uh, Nick Tyson. Uh, Nick Tyson, who originally helped train us with Adam Raw, like, after we got over being in the ring with these guys we met once. and like, well, this is all we know. <laughs> like, There's no way wrestling can be taught one day. <laughs> how, and I don't know if you said, but how old are you at this point? Uh, I don't know. Back then, I was 17. So you're training at 17. It's probably not. Is it even legal there? Uh, I have no clue. I didn't know there was <laughs> rules about it, so we're going to say sure. You, you didn't <laughs> give a crap if there was rules. You just wanted to do it, right? It was your exactly. love. Exactly. And, like, back then, it was 2003. That's a whole different ballgame compared to me. Like, it's so different. <laughs> so, yeah, I was 17, the first time in the ring, and then, like, we met Nick Tyson and Adam Raw. They trained us, and then we started working and knowing uh, Dingo, who's, like, a local legend and, like, one of the top guys in the area back then, like, on the indie scene. And, like, I really think if Dingo would have stuck his head in the game, he would be on to great things right now and make him a lot of money. Shout out to you, Dingo, slash John. He lives <laughs> in Chicago now. Uh, so, 
kind of tell us about the the training, the the good part of the trainings, man. Uh, when it was happening, uh, you know, what was really hard for you? What you know wasn't hard for you? You know, how how big of a guy were you at this point? No, I wasn't a big guy at all. I was like six one and maybe one hundred and forty pounds. I was just a skinny, pale and frail kid. Like, didn't have a clue what I was doing. Uh, it was very physical. Uh, it was it was awful. But, like, in every good way now, like, people would probably say it was borderline, like, bullying or abuse back then, the way we were trained, because it was very rigorous and very hard, and, like, it wasn't easy at all. It wasn't, like, a high-five and hug, you're, you're in the ring, here you go, we're going to put you on shows. Like, we got beat up, we got put through the ringer, and, like, now that I look at it, I'm like, ah, maybe that wasn't the right way, but I kind of like the way it worked, because that really made me who I am now with, like, the way my in-ring style is and the way I look at wrestling, it's a job. You should treat it like a job. So like it was very hard, rigorous, but like the hardest thing for me was just realizing it. Like you have to do so many things at once, you know, it's just not like one thing onto the other. Like every aspect of wrestling is like uh, a variety show at one time. It's insane. So physical and mental is almost like the same thing. Like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, you don't realize how mentally, you know, ready you have to be. And, like, I tell people all the time when they first start out, I go, don't get down. All you can do is just, you know, listen and learn. Like, do the best you can to the best of your ability, and you will get better. Sometimes it just takes longer than others. It's You can't learn wrestling in one or two days. I consider myself, you know, been in the game for 18 years, but I learn something new all the time. Like, you're never too old to learn. And, you know, you trained and did what you did. How did it feel when those first matches came out? You you walked the aisle. Were you scared shitless? Did you think you knew enough? Were you cocky enough? Or you were just like, oh, oh no. God. Uh, my first match, I was only a couple months into training. It was awful. <laughs> I, but it was the coolest thing ever because I was wrestling in front of an audience, right. of, you know, in front of 25 people. I didn't care. Like, that's all I cared about. I was like, I'm wrestling. This is great. You know, I didn't know that like this had ended up pretty much being a lifelong career for me, or this would be what I would be doing for the rest of my adulthood and still be doing. But like, if you would have told me that first match that like I've done some things I've done in the business that I'm very fortunate enough to have done, I I said, yeah, right. I'll just do this a couple times and I'm done. I didn't realize what it was back then. And uh, what did your uh? What your parents or your mom think about when you actually were wrestling yourself? That's a lot different than watching it on Saturday morning together, right? Um, I don't really have the greatest relationship with my mom. I don't have a relationship with her at all now. No, but I'm like, sorry. basically, like the way it was back then, she's like, "Oh, this is just a, a trend or a fad. Like, you'll get through it." And then I just never, never said I'm done. Like, I kept going, "No, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do." You know, that's not the reason I don't have a relationship with her, but like. I think she supported it, but then realized, like, oh, like, this is something he's going to do for a while. I don't know if I support this, but whatever. Like, I'm very stubborn, so that didn't really bother me. <laughs> I think you got to be a little bit wet that way to be a pro wrestler, right? A little bit stubborn. Yeah, totally. Stubborn is a big word in wrestling. Sometimes uh, too stubborn for your own good. <laughs> and, you know, I asked you about trainers. Was there Was there any friends that were training with you that you really wanted to, like, you know, put over because they were there for you or, you know, you're still buddies uh, with them now or Matt, who, like I said, you know, he was, he wrestled 17 years strong with, uh, him and Evan were evangelistico and Pierre Abernathy were in the submission squad. They traveled the country with me. We would travel all over the place together when we first started traveling and still sometimes we'll go on road trips. Uh, 
those two are there f- for everything. Like those guys, and uh, I would say Dingo. Like I said earlier, like those three guys really helped me a lot. Like in the early years, and like that still helps me in my career. And like he helps me come up with ideas, and so does Evan. Evan and Matt are like brothers to me. Okay, so you've been training. You kind of been doing your thing. You've had your first match. You get unleashed. You know what kind of happens from there you you got to kind of contact these places yourself or the people that you kind of said the people that helped you train kind of maybe disappeared uh um how did you get to that like contact to the next level i it kind of just happened it was one of those things where like i didn't start traveling out of my comfort zone for the first couple years if not longer and then we just started going over to Illinois a little more and like, oh, we'll show up to the show early and put on a tryout match and maybe get on. And then, like, it just kind of, like, really, like I said, hitting territories and showing face is how I started getting on some of these places because I would be there constantly and be reliable. Mm-hmm. And then social media really kicked in, so then you could Facebook message somebody <laughs> and then be like, oh, this place in Texas, this looks cool. Let, I'm going to send them uh, a resume and be like, I've been doing this and, like, I'd like to come work and blah, blah, blah. You'd send five or six resumes out and get maybe one reply, maybe none. I looked out and got one or two replies. I would just go, okay, I'm going to Texas, you know, see what happens. You know, we'd get in the car, me, Matt, and uh, Jake is Evan's real name. We'd just get in the car and uh, we'd go. And then we would just go, oh, that was fun. And we'd start making connections and it would all just kind of snowball. So, like, at first it was just, like, pure luck. But, like, social media started kicking in, and then you can just send resumes and promo pics and just start learning from the people in different areas. And it, it ended up just being this big community of, like, I kind of know everybody in every state in a way. Right. It's kind of a build a little, you know, address book. Pretty much. Yeah, before <laughs> I had a flip phone for the longest time. So, yeah, like, I had all these contacts <laughs> in my flip phone. <laughs> Got to have your contacts, man. And if I can just ask, man, what you know, you talk about the road trips with the other couple guys, man, uh, up to Illinois. What what kind of a trip was that like? How many hours each way? And uh, did you guys just uh, chill and talk wrestling like Illinois, the old school guys? Illinois you know? is only like 25, 30 minutes away. That's oh, okay. That's what Anarchy runs. So it's not. But like our first, our first trip to Texas was 14 hours oh, okay. in a car. That was the first time we'd really went out of our comfort zone in like 2005 or six. We were booked for Anarchy Championship Wrestling down in Austin, Texas. And the promoter just booked us, uh, Darren Childs. I give a lot of credit to you there. Like, he booked us, and he's like, I only booked you because I didn't think you were going to show up, and we showed up. He's like, well, you guys are you guys have permanent spots here now. Like, you showed up <laughs> and, like, drove 14 hours just to wrestle. And, like, because that's what we wanted to do. That was our passion. At that point, we really weren't making any money because you're not going to make money in the first early years of your career. Like, you're going to lose a lot of money before you eventually maybe make money or break even you know so like we were just stubborn stupid and got in the car and went showed up and like we said we'd be there it was our word we were there (laughs) so what happens on a 14 hour road trip man is it a lot of wrestling talk you know what's going on on that kind of thing uh usually the way there is a lot of wrestling talk and just joking around and like we listen to music and just carry on and have fun and then like on the way back it's just like you're animated for about three hours after the show. You eat, and then you realize, oh, we're nowhere near home. I want to go to sleep. And then, like, that all kicks in, and then you're eventually trying to keep people awake. And, like, before you know it, you're like, oh, we're an hour from home. And you're like, I can't wait to get out of the car. I don't want to see you guys ever again. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think that might be the first time someone's ever said that. Yeah, it's been a long trip. 
don't care if I see you guys again. <laughs> yep. Uh, usually means I'll see you on Tuesday when we hang out, or, or I'll see you on Friday when we leave for the next loop. Yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of like one of those. You, in- you, you, you can you can hate your brothers all you want, but they're still your brothers at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's one of those things you throw one of your boys. You know, it really doesn't mean anything, and we'll see it in a few days. <laughs> and then, like originally, it was me, Matt, and Jake in the car, and then Davey Vega got involved. We, we met him, and then Matt Fitchett. They're known as the besties. Yeah, Fitchett and uh, Vega. To me, best tag team that's unsigned in the world right now. You can't argue with me on that either. They're phenomenal. They uh, they've grown to their own in the last couple of years. It's insane. They're so good. They uh, they start traveling with us down to Texas, and we just had our, our our car load. Anytime you see one of us talk about like the early year car load, that's the car load we're talking about. So the car load, man. Any crazy car load stories? Uh, it's ironic because I'm always put on the spot for these, and like there's been so many of them. I I, I just don't really remember them <laughs> is that weird like it's it's not it's weird to, you know because I, I, I don't know what happens the whole carload to be like oh yeah and then this happened and this happened <laughs> if it's just me by myself i'm like i don't remember <laughs> you know do, do you prefer to travel with others or is it like sometimes you maybe like to do your own thing like be on your own kind of time uh i prefer to travel with someone i like so usually if it's me and another person now that's great uh, a lot of times now, if I'm booked on a show, I'm usually like, "Oh, we want to use Gary. We, we, you know, what's your rate? Blah blah blah." I was like, "Can you usually use one of my guys that is really good, and like, just to get an opportunity and a chance?" And like, I'll take kids on the road with me now. Like, I use the vet violence thing as like a hashtag, but <laughs> I guess I'm a vet of the sport now to the point where like I want to help people as well. So, like, I didn't have that when I was in the business early years. I didn't have someone getting, saying, get in the car. I want to be the guy who says, hey, get in the car. Maybe you'll get on, and then you'll have a spot here, and you'll get work, and you'll meet people. So, like, a lot of times now I'm traveling with guys that are only a couple years in the business to try to help them to get to where, like, they want to be. So you're basically trying to help them get there. It's it's almost like a hustle. you got to get there, man. you got to, like, help out. you got to do your thing, and yep. hopefully they'll notice you, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's the grind. Like, you talk to anybody that's been in the game as long as me, it's like, it's not all, you know, hugs and handshakes. It's not all pretty. Like, you got job. You want to show up to the job and you want to perform at your job. Like, sometimes it's not easy to do, but, like, if this is something you really want to do, then you will continue to do it. And Like I said, there's that word stubborn. You got to be stubborn. Hmm. How many years have you been doing this now from uh, start to right now? Uh, My first professional wrestling match was like june 2003 so good uh 17 years plus now yeah so like almost the 18 year mark I, i've lost count i used to write all my matches down in a notebook too it was awesome and then i just forgot do you still got those and notebooks think, though yeah like i wish i had wrote them all down because like i'd like to count how many actually professional wrestling matches i've had but like it's crazy to me now, like, I'm only 34, I consider myself still young, and, like, no one would know, like, when people, how long have you been wrestling, they expect, oh, I don't know, six, seven years, I'm like, oh, like, 18 years, or like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah, I've been around longer than dinosaurs, brother, like, I've been around. <laughs> you, you've seen it from a young age of uh, 17, at least, right? Oh, absolutely, yep, I started being around the wrestling independently, like, independent wrestling scene at the age of 15 and 16, going to shows. And then got involved when I was 17, and I've been involved since. Well, uh, this is a good question to segue into then. Uh, 
take from then to now? What do you know now that you didn't know then about pro wrestling? Um, like the things I've like, what do you mean? Like, what would I take from then and use now or? Yeah. Like something you didn't have any idea when you first got into the business and now it's just like, you know, an everyday thing that comes to your mind. Oh man. Uh, how important it is like to be in like some kind of in-ring shape. Like, obviously, I didn't think it would be easy, but I didn't think at the same time, like, you'd have to devote so much time outside of the ring to, to, to in-ring stuff. Like, because I'm at the point now where, like, if I'm not working on my, my, my physical being, like, three or four times a week, I'm working on promos or thinking about stuff. Like, back then, it was just like, oh, I want to be a wrestler. And then you really start thinking, oh, you got to put a lot of work in. And then, like, even... 17 years later, I'm still trying to work on me as a wrestler. Like, and that's in the game long enough. Like I didn't realize that like I would devote my whole life to it at the time. And like now I'm happy I did because I wouldn't change anything for the world. But it was, it's crazy how people think that like you become a wrestler and then you just make it as like, you don't realize that like, that's not how it is at all. Yeah. As I, uh, as a fan that with my knowledge of it, I'm like, who would think that? Exactly. Well, a lot of people, me included, when I was 17, I was like, oh, man, I'm the next coming of Jeff Hardy. You know, like. I guess maybe I was too small at 17, right? Because back then you had to be pretty, uh, when I was a kid anyway, you know, be pretty beefy, be pretty tall. But that's not how it is in wrestling anymore. There's a lot of smaller guys that can just, you know, come in there and create mayhem. Yep, exactly. I mean, like, that's the great thing is, like, I've never been a, a big dude. And, like, I've never looked, you know, jacked or I've never been, like, a body guy. But, like, the quarantine, the one thing it's done for me, because obviously, like, that quarantine started, let's say, what, four or five months ago. Like, the COVID stuff. Like, so everything gets shut down. It's like, well, what do I do? Like, I've had wrestling in my life and traveling. And, like, wrestling has been an aspect of my life for so long. So, like, obviously, mentally, I finally got to, like, clear my head. Physically, I got to heal. And then I started realizing, like, after a month of not doing anything, I was like, oh, I'm just going to, like, get in the best shape I, I've ever been in. So I just started working out, you know, three or four times a week, even if it's just cardio and core. Like, I want to be, like, really lean, mean, and shredded. Like, I'm not worried about being, like, jacked and, like, I don't want to look like Brock Lesnar. I wish I could, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but, like, I just really spent a lot of time on me, and, like, it's paid off. Well, uh, along with the workout, uh, are you hitting your diet right? Like just kind of staying with that uh, chicken breast, fish, you know, brown rice kind of stuff? What you doing there? Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. Like I eat a lot <laughs> of uh, grilled chicken and salad, but like I don't really follow a diet. Like my metabolism is so high. Like whatever I eat automatically gets burned off. I'm, I'm very lucky because a lot of people get in their 30s and their m m metabolism goes to shit. Mine has stayed the same my whole life. Oh, gotcha. So, like, it's very fast and eats away calories and carbs and everything very fast. But I still, I, I don't drink soda, but once a year at WrestleMania, I do drink the Ultra Monster Energy drinks. Like, yeah, that's probably not the best habit. But other than that, I drink a gallon of milk a day or a gallon of water a day. I always have my gallon of water with me. I'm always pounding water as well. So, Do you um, stay away from any alcohol beverages? Oh, no, I do like to, you know, indulge occasionally, but like I'll go weeks without drinks and then maybe I'll go hang out with my girlfriend for a weekend and then like 
we'll go out to a bar and like I'll get drunk and have some drinks. But like once again, that works for me. It doesn't work for everybody else. Everybody's body is different. But I try not to <laughs> indulge like every night. I don't want to look like an alcoholic, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. But yeah. uh, I don't know, some other stuff I got wrote down here, man. What's been the most rewarding thing about being a professional wrestler? Um, It's crazy because it's really, I didn't really realize it was a thing until recently. It's just like people actually like in a way like look up to me. I, that sounds weird. Like look up to me or like think I'm good or like actually want my uh, – opinions or like help with stuff and it's like to me i'm just a dude that you know i like to do what i love and i've been doing it for a while and like for someone to put me on that high of a pedestal like that's a kind of a cool feeling and like something i don't take for granted at all anymore that's what i've learned it's like people like look up to you and like come to you for stuff and like wrestling advice promo advice or like in ring stuff and like whenever i'm done in ring like i definitely want to like help with that stuff and like that's kind of what i do now with helping kids travel is like i want to agent matches i want to help people with stuff and i guess that's like the most rewarding thing for me right now is like i've kind of built a pretty damn good following and that's kind of cool like i I like that feeling (laughs) no that's completely awesome man uh dude uh you know Maybe we've already talked about this, but what have what have you been? Uh, didn't say that right. What have been some of your most proudest moments in your wrestling career? Um, uh, there, a lot of them have been very random. Uh, like going to different states for the first time, and then you know when my music hits, and then like the crowd knows who I am. Like before I go out of the curtain. That's like to me. That's a proud moment. Anytime it happens, like wow, like I've got that big of a following in a way to to know like these people know who I am, <laughs> and I'm hours if not days away from where I live. Like it's just a cool feeling. Uh, I'm proud about any of that. Anytime I can get in a ring with somebody that is really good but not like quite seasoned like me, and I can give them that match or I can give them that fight to where like when the match and the fight's over. Like, people are like, this dude is awesome, like, and I can bring that person to, the, to my level, if not higher. Like, that's a really good, proud feeling. Uh, stuff like that, like, I get more reward out of than just, like, I won this match or this. Like, I try to look at it, like, as a whole thing. And, um, you know, with that question, who have been some of your favorite opponents you've been in the ring with, man? And I look over cagematch.net here, man, and you've been in the ring with a whole lot of people. And, uh, dude, so what are some of the things that stick out in your mind? The, the really fun ones, the really, you know, rewarding ones, the crowd really, like, popped or, you know, anything like that? Um, I mean, if you know any of my history over the last four, five, six years-ish, Anything me and Warhorse have done. I hate the guy to death, and but he's undoubtedly like one of the most stubborn motherfuckers I've ever met. Anytime we get in there, it's legit chaos. It's a fight to the point where face ripped open at one of them, and uh, oh. that kind of explains how he became Warhorse. But uh, anytime we're in there, it's it's, it's insane. It's just this really magical fight that like you don't get it everywhere. Like it's a big fight feel, and we brought it all over the country, and like. I don't like to give him credit, but I'll give him a little credit. Like, he's doing good things right now, too. So, anytime I'm in there with Davey Vega, Matt Fitchett, it's just 
easy, it's special. Like mm-hmm. those guys are like so uber talented. It's it's just like I'm not at work when I'm in there with them. I've gotten the chance to work with Kyle O'Reilly and Davey Richards. I don't know how many times. Davey, just yeah. be, just being in the ring with them and being somewhat at their level, like means so much to me because I learned a lot from Davey Richards. I learned a lot from Kyle O'Reilly. Um, uh, just real I've quick, there. real quick, Davey Richards, uh, former Defy heavyweight champion. Yep, I knew that, <laughs> and uh, I know I know he, a lot of people are not a fan of Davey, but he's always been very professional with me in in ring. He's a, he's a monster. It's yeah. great. Uh, so, sorry like to interrupt said, you there, but anyway, I had to say that man because he's a a favorite up here. Oh yeah, he he's he's insane. He's so good. I and like as good as he is, I think Kyle O'Reilly might be one of the best in the world still. Damn! And like I, I, I've gotten the chance to get in there and learn from him, and like have really good fights with him. Uh, I've been in there with Sammy Callahan right before he went to NXT as uh, Solomon Crow. Like I learned a lot from him. <laughs> I've got the opportunity to work uh, Akira Tozawa, Watanabe, uh, Roderick Strong. Like there's just like I said, a list of people. Uh, El Generico back in his day, I've mm. been in the ring with him. Uh, I've been lucky enough to like get the right opportunities and be in the ring with all these people, and they've all been great. But I've learned so much just by being in the ring with people with the magnitude of their talent. And like, like I said, I can go on and on and on, but like that would take forever. <laughs> <laughs> we could go all night, man. But uh, dude, just a couple more questions before we kind of maybe head off into the uh, afterworld for this podcast until we talk another time because. I'm just based on this conversation, we can talk a whole lot more about a whole lot of other stuff, but, uh, man, uh, you know, what's, what's kind of your goals right now? I mean, obviously it's kind of tough right now to predict the pandemic, everything, not everything, but a lot of stuff shut down to the end of the year. There's some shows running that, you know, guys like yourself are being a part of here and there, but, uh, you know, when everything kind of maybe kind of motions back to what things should be right, hopefully. Uh, what are your goals? Oh, yeah. One of my goals is to get out your way more. I'd like to get into that part of the country and make my name out there and then become like a staple in that area. That's not even from that area. Uh, I want to go overseas. Anytime people say like London, Japan, I I would love to do that stuff. It just takes timing and the, in the right circumstances. And obviously right now with no travel, you can't, but, Hopefully next year, mid next year, late next year, like travels back. Like, I want to be in your area. I just want to be everywhere. Like, I legit want to be one of those last guys that like you see on a card one weekend in like Illinois, but then the next weekend, oh, he's in Washington. Hmm. Like, I want to be everywhere possible. Like, that's my big goal is just to be everywhere. Dude, that sounds great. I, you know, based on what I've seen, you know. Just talking to you, I'd love to see you come out here, man, and uh, see you at one of our uh, local great uh, promotions here, and I hope it happens. We'll see what happens here, man. But, uh, you know, let's talk a little just fun stuff before we end, and then anything else you got to talk about, man. Uh, You know, he came out for that Black Label Pro show that I've seen recently over on IWTV, and uh, you came out with a cape on, dude. And uh, my man Scott, my man Scotty, that helped uh, hook this podcast up, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but, uh, you know, he's a good dude. Uh, helped hook this podcast up. But anyway, saw you with the capes on, or the cape on. Uh, tell us about capes. 
Uh, basically, like uh, the original one that I, the, the orange one that I used to wear constantly that said uh, the Gary J movement had like the cat skull in it. <laughs> that was actually a flag that uh, Jason Klein made for the SCI the first year I was in it, the Scenic City Invitational, which is like a big tournament they do in the South, that, which I believe Maccabi has won. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> basically. He uh he traveled down and he watched it and he had a big flag and like you know with my logo and everything and he gave it to me and I'm like oh this is awesome and it's like how can I incorporate this into ring gear <laughs> so I was like I'll just wear it like a cape because I'm a huge Batman fan I love Batman <laughs> so like I imagine myself walking out the curtain kind of like Batman with a cape on and like a cowl on my face so I'm like okay I can do this and then I started doing that and then I, the the red one that you saw at Black Label that's my Vet Violence one that's like a brand new one that's like the second time I've worn that. So, like, yeah, I just kind of just something to make myself stand out and be unique because I feel there's so many good wrestlers now. If you don't stand out and you're unique to, like, who you are and what your character is, you're just going to get lost on the shuffle. <laughs> and then uh, tell us about, and this is one uh, Scotty sent me, the mayor of Spalding. <laughs> the mayor of Spalding. Oh, that's uh, the St. Louis Anarchy, man. Like, <laughs> I am, it's my home. Like, I'm one of the top guys there myself. Warhorse, Matt Fitchett, David Vega, we're like the, people call us the pillars of St. Louis wrestling because, like, we've done a lot from the area and, like, we're the best in the area. And, like, I think fans just kind of just said, oh, they're the pillars of St. Louis Anarchy. They're the pillars of St. Louis wrestling. And then I think someone deemed me once that, like, the mayor of Spalding Hall, so I kind of just have fun with it. I think I have a shirt out now <laughs> that says Mayor of Spalding and, like, has the pizza slices on it. Oh, Basically, that's... like, it just kind of one of those things that, like, started with someone saying something i just kind of went all right let's run with it and see what happens i think a lot of wrestlers do that indie wrestlers right you know you, you're putting stuff out twitter social media whatever it might be and someone might come up with a little design or a saying and like you got to grab it and run with it man see what works it's like throwing you throw something on the wall if it sticks go with it if it doesn't <laughs> keep moving on that's a great uh you know comparison there but uh tell us about hashtag and why it's hashtag vet violence. Uh, it's one of those things, like, legitimately, like, uh, like if you know the term vet in wrestling, it means guy that's been around a while, some good, some bad. I'm, like, I'm always about going in there and fighting. Like, I, like if you notice, I rarely will say wrestle or I will rarely say match. I will say fight. Yeah, you're a fighter. That's what I do. I, I'm paid to go in there and fight. You know, I consider myself, like, a very scrappy underdog fighter that, like, doesn't know how stubborn he is until he's in there. So, like, the vet violence thing kind of came off that. I was like, ah, something different. I was like, oh, vet violence. Like, if you know wrestling, you'll be like, oh, well, obviously we're in for a fight or, or violence, and this guy happens to be, you know, 18, 19 years in the business, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I do say, or do see, not say, on your uh, Twitter and your little, uh, you know, stuff that talks about you. It says, pound for pound, the best fighter in pro wrestling. So. Now I understand. Yep, exactly. It, it's kind of like character stuff. Like, you know, people claim I'm the best wrestler in wrestling. Yeah, well, you may or may not be, but, like, with, with fighter, like, once again, it gives off that fighter feel. Like, <laughs> for what I do in the ring, so how I present myself, I really try to give away that, like, oh, this guy doesn't look like your typical wrestler. Like, oh, my God, like, he's in there, you know, beating the shit out of somebody. Like, you're watching a real fight, you know? That's what I kind of portray, and, like, that's what I want to do with, like, what I do with my character and who I am. 
and uh, tell us about hashtag Gritty Ginger. Uh, that one's kind of another joke too. Uh, my girlfriend is a huge Gritty fan. The uh, the mascot for I think like Philadelphia, the big goofy uh, orange dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, she loves Gritty. Like she's always posting pictures of Gritty, and she's sending me pictures, like videos of Gritty. So then, like one day, I was like, "Well, I'm gonna steal his gimmick and just say Gritty Ginger." So that was just kind of a joke at first, but then it kind of works once again. Like with my style and what I do in the ring, it's very like underground and gritty. I was like, "Well, this works," ironically. So, <laughs> and dude, uh, and I see this one. It's uh, you're a proud cat dad. And if that means oh, what I think yeah. it is, I'm a huge cat fan. I hope that's what it means for you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, If you follow me on Facebook, uh, you will notice I will post pictures of my cats, regardless if I'm home or not, every Saturday, because every Saturday is Catterday. I love my cats. They're my pride and joy. They're my kids. Uh, like They love me. I love them. We're a big, happy family. We hang out. Like. Every morning I wake up, I'm home. Like they're laying in bed right next to me. There, oh man, I love cats. That could be a whole other podcast. I love my cats. It could be a whole other <laughs> podcast, man. Uh, I met my wife. I had a couple cats. We moved in, got married, blah blah blah. Got another cat. Got a dog. A couple of the cats have passed away here in the last year or two. We're down to one cat, one dog, and it all works. But, uh, yeah, huge cat fan over here. I'm a big fan of the Orangies, man. I don't know what your favorite-looking cat is or if it's just any cat. Uh, Pebbles, my princess. She's my oldest cat. I have two. I have Pebbles and Dino, brother and sister. Uh, Pebbles is my calico. She hates everybody but me. So, like, she's my sassy princess. And, like, she knows it. Like, and then Dino, her brother, is a white and gray cat, uh, a stray cat that uh, I rescued. He was found on the side of the road. But, like, I'll have to, like, post a picture of him again here recently. He's got, like, this cool facial color because he's gray, but he's got, like, a white handlebar mustache, like, perfectly. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. That's so funny because the cat that I have left, I had two orangies and – or some people call them red cats, I guess. But they're two orangies to me. I love orangey cats. And then my calico is, she looks like a Halloween cat. She's like yeah. kind of a orangey, black, little shade of white here and there. So it's funny that you're talking about your calico. My calico is the one left. We call her a little bitty because when I first got her, she was this tiny little thing. Now she's yeah. a little kind of fatty, just chills out and eats food all day. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, my, I'm pretty sure Pebbles, my calico, thinks she's a small German Shepherd. Like, she's just so sassy and, like, has so much attitude. Probably gets it from me most of the time, but whatever. Oh, my God. We went from pro wrestling, you know, best fighters in pro wrestling, and now we're talking about cats, man. Uh, well, know, I mean, that's all that really matters. I mean, if your cats don't love you, then, but you got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm having a great time talking to you, man. My man, Gary J. But, uh, you know, just a couple things before we head off here, man. Uh, I see a tweet. Uh, let's see here. Uh, you know, you put your open dates on there, which, you know, there's a lot, which, you know, there's a lot of people or a lot of a lot of open dates right now for pro wrestlers. No, oh, yeah. But what do you have coming up here? Anything else? Um, the only thing set in concrete would be September 26th at, in Zero uh, One USA. They're, they have a show. I think it's in like Noble, Illinois. It's about two hours from my house. Uh, it's myself versus Bastard Cassidy, who uh, I think it was at Bizarro Pro. You can also check at or mm-hmm. Bizarro Lucha. You can check it out on IWTV. It's this kid's, like, 16th match at Bizarro Pro, and then, like, 
he did great. He killed it. And then it's me and him round two at zero one September 26th. I believe it's like a very small fan thing. And like, it's a very, it's like a studio tape basically that they'll release online at some point. But if you are having some shows, it looks like my man here, Gary's got a lot of dates open here. Check him out on uh, his pinned tweet up over on uh, Twitter, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you actually would like me to be a part of your show or talk about cast or just hang out, just uh, DM me on Twitter or my Instagram is at Stiff Robo Ginger, and then my Facebook's Gary J. So, like, <laughs> if you are interested and would like to acquire me as a professional fighter, uh, just hit me up. Hey, man, uh, any merch out there that uh, people can kind of go online, pick up? Anything yep, like that? Uh, if anybody that has any extra skrilla or cabbage these days, because obviously I know money's tight with, you know, everything going on in the world, and you would like to purchase one of my shirts, just go to uh, fullygimmick.com. And then put my name in the search bar, Gary J, J-A-Y, and then all my shirts and merch will pop up. And then they'll be happy to help you out. And hey, my man, uh, social media, where can we follow Gary James, man? All the social medias out there, if you have that handy. Uh, Facebook, Gary J, J-A-Y. Uh, Instagram, Stiff Robo Ginger, And then at Stiff Robo Ginger on Twitter. And uh, if they want to book you, same kind of deal? Yep, if they want to book me, just hit me up on the old uh, DM. Or if you want to use email, my email, check this one out, is barnowl18 at AOL.com. AOL. God, I saw that, man, on one of your pages here on social media. And I was like, really? An AOL account still exists? Oh, yeah. I made it when I was 18, when Gary the Barn Owl was fresh and new. <laughs> Gary the Barn Owl, man, uh, AOL. Reach out to him, man. Book this guy on your show, man. We just had a phenomenal chat. We've never met before. You know, I've only seen him wrestle on, uh, you know, IWTV, on Fight TV a few times, man. But we talked tonight, and it sounds like, you know, maybe we've known each other a while. I don't know how you felt, Gary. Oh, hell yeah, man. I'll shoot shit anytime with you. Well, especially when you said that Undertaker stuff. We'll have to come back, you know. Oh, man. I've got so many Undertaker epiphanies and thoughts. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, man, what are your final thoughts before we head out for the evening here tonight? Um, I'd say the biggest thing right now is everybody just don't take things for granted. Enjoy life and just stay safe during these times. Gary, thank you so much. Uh, you know, we're recording this on uh, late Tuesday, and I'm going to drop this uh, tomorrow wednesday morning so uh check it out we're gonna have a good time hopefully you throw some retweets as i hope you had a good time here tonight gary and uh i thank you so much for your time thank you for having me on round two we talk taker we do we do we do i promise you man have a great night and uh thank you scotty for hooking up this uh phenomenal chat tonight bye 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 This episode recorded at the Bigfoot headquarters. This has been a Swagamore production production.